Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, we're kicking off a 10-part series on the church. Y'all know that culture is screaming, you do you, YOLO, you're enough, and applauding us for being misindependent. But as Christ followers, we know that this isn't the path to fulfillment. The Bible says that we're part of the family of God. We're like bricks in a building, sheep in a flock, a member of the body, and priests in a priesthood. The purpose of this series is to help us remember who we are in the context of the body of Christ, which will help us deal with everyday issues that plague us, and it'll also help us fight back against that prideful independence that our culture praises. Our hope is that these conversations will encourage us to consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day drawing near. We have an incredible list of guests lined up for you guys to discuss topics like how to find a healthy church, what it looks like to use our gifts to bless the body, how to exercise our gifts as women in the church, and so much more. Our prayer is that all of these conversations will stir your affection for Christ, for your brothers and sisters in Christ, and encourage you to joyfully pursue local church membership and service to the glory of God. Today, I'm chatting with Gloria Furman on the topic of the global church. So you'll know her a little better. Gloria is a wife, mother of four, cross-cultural worker, editor, and writer. In 2008, her family moved to the Middle East to plant Redeemer Church at Dubai, where her husband Dave serves as the pastor. Gloria is one of those women who just oozes scripture when she speaks. I want to be like that. Many of the nuggets of wisdom that she shared with me have really helped me reorient to the bigger picture. Listen to what she said. You know the world is round. And it's turning on its axis constantly. It's always morning somewhere. I love to think about this particularly on Easter because we have that refrain on Easter morning. You say, he's risen. He's risen indeed. This is the refrain. The refrain is echoing all around the world because the world is turning. It's always Easter somewhere on that day. It's he's risen. He's risen indeed is echoing for 24 hours. as The church, the global church is waking up to remember the good news again that Jesus is risen. And indeed, even if it's not on the calendar today, Easter, you wake up. The church is waking up to say, He's risen. Yeah, just to consider the, the echoes of our praise here on earth echoing in the throne room of heaven constantly around the clock is just really neat to think of. Now, on to my conversation with Gloria Furman on the topic of the global church. Welcome to the Journey Women podcast for the second time. Thanks. Glad to be here. Man, I miss you so much. I was just telling you that it's been eight months since I saw you last in real life at the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference. And I only know that because I think I had just found out that I was pregnant and I'm currently sitting here quite round at 37 weeks pregnant, stuffed into my closet. So Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) If only we could have labor right now and you wouldn't have to talk to me. (laughs) Virtual doula. (laughs) I know you've been a book doula for many. I've done WhatsApp doula before. I don't know about Zoom doula. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, how are you doing? Yeah, you know, it's, it's okay. It's, um, we're okay. We're ups and downs. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about around here. There's also a lot to be sad about, too. And such is like mm. uh, the ongoing daily battle for faith crying out for your friends who are suffering and lost and dying. And it's, I guess, normal. (laughs) 
in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for those who don't know you, can you tell them a little bit about who you are and where you're at and what you do? That might be helpful for some context. They don't know that it's 10 p.m. where I am currently, and I believe it's 8 a.m. where you are. Right. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, this is past my bedtime, but you know what? (laughs) Well, you get my morning voice, so there you go. That actually was the motivation behind me choosing the 10 p.m. versus the 4 (laughs) a.m. Because if you listen to our last episode, which is episode 29, I sounded like a man, (laughs) which I always do, but it was even worse. (laughs) Uh, um, My name's Gloria. I live in the... Uh, United Arab Emirates, where my family has been for the past decade. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Bananas. We have four kids. My oldest was a baby when we moved here. So wow. uh, the, the other three were born here. Um, this is all they know. They actually get culture shock when we travel to other countries like the United States. <laughs> they could have fooled me. They're very adaptable. Turns out kids are a little cultural, adip- really adaptable. Except for the drive-through thing, they cannot get over drive-through restaurants. It just they just want to go around and around and around drive-through. Oh, how funny! Um, they love it. <laughs> They're like, "Mom, hey, you forgot the ketchup. Like, go again." Yes, do it again. That's hilarious. One of my sons, the first time he did it, I didn't realize it was his first time to do it, but he was like, "Mom, your friend just opened his window and gave you food." <laughs> <laughs> this guy's awesome. Oh, his house is great. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but so my husband is a pastor of Redeemer Church of Dubai. There are approximately 60 something nationalities in our church. That's amazing. Yeah, international, English speaking. So if you're wondering how does that work, yes, we have one common language that we use. (laughs) Um, And for many, many people, English is not their first language or sometimes even their second. So um, there still are some language things going on. Um, but where we live in this city, it's a, it's a global city, uh, a lot like other global cities. The context is in a Muslim country. So um, all of the things that go along with that uh, would be the case here. Uh, we love it. Love to see what God's doing in and among the nations um, in this place. So uh, every day is uh, an adventure. For sure. I mean, we could go on there with what you've been struggling with recently, but I don't know if you want to get into the details. I could. I could get into the weeds a little bit. Um, Maybe someone will pray for me. (laughs) I would love your prayers. A little bit more of the context, just for our own personal context, our family. My husband, as a a busy pastor, you can imagine all the pressure that comes with that, but he also has a physical disability. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which he's struggled with since we moved here. Um, before we moved here, just before we moved here, he had double arm surgery on both arms to fix a nerve problem, a nerve condition that was in both of his arms that caused burning pain and weakness and muscle atrophy. So those surgeries we thought had remedied the problem. So we moved here with great hope that he would be fully recovered very soon. Um, but that was not the case, and his health has spiraled down. And over the past long while, decade, um, there've been ups and downs with more surgeries and more treatments, different things, try this new diet, you know, try all of these things, ups and downs with all of that. And then we're currently in a season of just being tired. Mm -hmm. He has a couple of books that he's written on that topic, right? Like suffering and pain and things like that. Yeah. So he he wrote uh, the book, Being There, How to Love Those Who Are Hurting. This book is uh, written from his experience of being cared for and how Mm -hmm. um, so many of us, me even, I live with, I'm a caretaker. I live with somebody who needs constant help Mm -hmm. and I still struggle with how do I help you? (laughs) How do I help you in a way that is, that is helpful? Uh, We want to be helpful. Um, And so his book is really practical and uh, that's been neat to see people served through that book. Um, And uh, the second book is called Kiss the Wave. Yes. So, yeah, from that Charles Spurgeon quote that's attributed to Spurgeon, um, that he's learned to kiss the rock of ages. Um, The waves throw him onto the rock of ages. He's learned to to kiss the waves that throw him onto the rock of ages. So 
uh, this book is Meditations on Suffering and Pain and Embracing God in Your Trials. So you guys are doing life together in Dubai. You and your husband together serve at Redeemer Church. And then you're also mothering four children. Uh, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that in and of itself, period. But Dave does need help with like some of the physical, like daily tasks. It's like physical stuff, right? Yeah. Anything you can think of that involves fine motor skills or even big gross motor skills that use your arms with arms specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, fine motor skills like buttoning a shirt or flossing your teeth or tying your shoe or opening a door mm-hmm. to big, you know, gross motor skills like driving a car or picking up a child or shaking hands. Mm-hmm. Um, those things uh, Dave can't do. Man, my friend. Well, you know, when I was thinking about who to have on to talk about the global church, of course, you were the first person that came to mind for me, just because you're my friend who's serving in a cross-cultural context, who loves Jesus, and who lives the reality of like the global church every single day. So we're really excited to have you on just to pick your brain about what life is like over there. And then also, you know, what it, what it's like to just be a member of the church, you know, and and experiencing that in a different capacity. What is the church? Let's like take it really basic because (laughs) um, I think establishing that foundation will be helpful as we move forward. What is the church? And then can you offer us like a distinction between the global church and the local church? Sure. There are lots of different places we could go to get a picture of the church. Ephesians is my favorite book in the Bible to look for pictures of the church. There's loads of different illustrations in there. If you want to read through six short chapters anytime, um, you'll see all these different pictures, temple, body, building, dwelling place, loads of pictures in God's word that describe what the church is and what it looks like and who it's made up of and why for a really succinct one sentence definition of the church. I like to point to Mark Dever's definition. You can find it in his book called the church. Oh, nice. (laughs) I was just reading his book, nine marks of a healthy church downstairs. So I was like, maybe I just read it. Yeah. The, the church, the gospel made visible by Mark Dever. I love that. Yeah, the gospel made visible. So the definition that he puts out is the church is the body of people called by God's grace through faith in Christ to glorify him together by serving him in his world. So a distinction between a local church and a global church, the local expression would be those particular members in a local context called together um, as members of a local body, faithful and gathered together in the name of Jesus, versus the global church would be all of those saints Mm -hmm. everywhere all over the world. Like I think about your church of 60 different nationalities and I'm like, that's absolutely tremendous. Like that's foreign to me, but what a picture of heaven, like to get to worship together with every tribe, tongue, and nation. I just absolutely love that. You you mentioned that we're all united in Christ. How was the church actually established? Yeah, the church was established by God um, from before time began. Um, This is, there's so many ways to look at this. (laughs) Um, You can, in, in Ephesians even, you can look at chapter five, This shows up in a lot of weddings, which is fantastic. This text Uh shows up in a lot of weddings about wives and husbands. Uh And and people, the pastor will quote, this is chapter 5, verse 31. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So it's one of the, sometimes in a wedding, you're like, oh, that's nice. This is about him and her. But then this text reminds us, actually, this is about Jesus Mm. and the church. This marriage is pointing us to a greater picture that was established before creation. So Paul looks backwards into creation in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. And he says, Adam and Eve aren't really just about Adam and Eve. It's about Mm. Jesus and the church. 
So in God's mind in eternity past is the church. So it's good as done. If, if this is God is doing this, it's good as done. It's happening. Um, and then as we see salvation history progressing forward, a lot of people also point to Acts chapter 2, when the promised Holy Spirit uh-huh. comes and dwells in people. And this is a permanent dwelling in the Holy Spirit is not going to indwell a believer and then decide the next day, I'm good, we're done. And the Holy Spirit doesn't simply or merely just come on Sunday or Friday or whatever day you gather for corporate worship. And that's the only day that God's with you. But now he is with you. So the gathering in of God's people by grace through faith and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit inaugurated there in Acts chapter 2 as prophesied throughout scripture is also a place where people would point and say, okay, this is how we see the church uh, propelling forward in history, which is, is fantastic to think of that, uh, that we have the, the dwelling place of God will be among us and God's dwelling place will be with us. And it started. This has started, and we look forward to that future day. And more, just another fun, blow-your-mind thought on global church. So, you know, the world is round, <laughs> and it's turning on its axis constantly. There's always, it's always morning somewhere. I love to think about this particularly on Easter because we have that refrain on Easter morning. You say, he's risen. He's risen indeed. This is the refrain. The refrain is echoing all around the world because the world is turning. It's always Easter somewhere on that day. The, there's it's, he's risen, he's risen indeed, is echoing for 24 hours as the church, the global church is waking up to, the, to remember the good news again that Jesus is risen. And indeed, even if it's not on the calendar today, Easter, you wake up. The church is waking up to say, he's risen. Yeah, just to consider the, the echoes of, of our praise here on earth echoing in the throne room of heaven constantly around the clock um, is just really neat to think of. Girl, that makes me feel even better about that verse. His mercies are new every morning because you know I need those mercies every second. <laughs> the new ones. <laughs> it's always morning somewhere. <laughs> I know. I can think of you whenever I think of that. That's so great. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the Word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. I love how you brought up Adam and Eve and how, you know, it's not just about Adam and Eve, but it's about Christ and the church, like even there in Genesis. So where else do we see the thread of the church just kind of like weaving its way throughout all of scripture? Um, So Adam was given a very special charge. Adam and Eve together are to fill the earth and multiply and uh, in their fruitfulness in this multiplication, they are made in God's image. God created them Mm -hmm. in his image, male and female, he created them. And as they multiply, they are literally multiplying God's image bearers all over the face of the earth. So that's an encouraging thought for a pregnant person. Let me just say, (laughs) (laughs) that'll preach. Well, um, (laughs) we tend to think of it in terms of biology and think of human beings uh, multiplying um, in that way spreading the glory of God over the face of the earth, biologically speaking. But we see all over the New Testament, this command to keep multiplying. Um, It shows up again. Noah gets this commission. And then later Israel gets the, you you are God's special people, chosen for him, set apart for him to glorify him. In Exodus 19, he calls his people, he tells them, you'll be a nation of priests. 
Mm. A holy people. Uh, even the temple we see in the construction of the, in the tabernacle, the, the wilderness tabernacle, and then in the, the structural temple in Jerusalem, there's the Holy of Holies. There's the courts that expand out from the Holy of Holies from God's presence and uh, a priestly ministry that is mediating these sacrifices and displaying that God is, he is going to be with his people. And he, this is relational. This is relational between you and God. And the Gentiles even are included in this. There's a place for them to pray. Jesus comes up to this place and sees that it's been turned into a den of robbers. And he turns over all of their tables, lets their animals free and says, this is supposed to be for prayer. And who specifically were they supposed to be praying there? It was the Gentiles. This was for them. The thread of the church weaving its way throughout scripture is such a bright brilliant uh, thread to see because then you see this is totally consistent with the God we worship. Hmm. He wants to have a relationship with every man, woman, child whom he's created. And this isn't any uh, tribal particular thing, but for every tribe. And that's God's heart. And um, the church isn't his plan B um, because because Israel failed at that. This has always been God's goal in seeing his glory spread throughout all the world. So we think about this biologically, but then the Old Testament uh, reminds us this isn't just a biological spreading of God's glory, but throughout that. And then, of course, we look at Jesus' quote-unquote spiritual fertility. Never married, no biological Mm -hmm. kids, Mm -hmm. but here he is multiplying his Mm -hmm. image uh, among all of the nations in every dark corner of the globe by his spirit. Mm-hmm. So um, this isn't just something that married people do when they have kids, but we do this right. through discipleship and missions. Yes. I love that. I love that you made that distinction. Cause I think so many people are, you know, concerned that like, if they're not, if God hasn't uh, called them to marriage, that then they don't have the opportunity to like fulfill that. But it's very, I I think it's just so clear that like, like you said in the New Testament, like God's blessing really is like disciples, which is such a cool thing to think about. I'm I'm, like, think about you. I'm like, oh, I feel like one of your, (laughs) one of your kids, one of your spiritual kids, Gloria. <laughs> I'm not that old yet. Age doesn't dictate yeah. maturity. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, throughout this whole time, like what has undergirded and empowered the church throughout the context of like redemptive history? God himself. It's fascinating. Even if you go throughout redemptive history with an eye on church history and you want to compare and contrast the the quote global church and even local expressions of the church in contrast to human institutions like governments, nations, kings, um, and see uh, the rise and fall of all those. You see one consistent institution on earth, the church. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, just marvelous to think that it is, it is God himself who undergirds and empowers his church. Jesus said not even the gates of hell will be able to overpower her uh, because he himself um, is the head of the church. And if Christ is alive forever, risen and reigning over all rulers, powers, and authorities, there is nothing that can assail mm-hmm. the church. You often hear in the news about um, the ways that the church is affected by human institutions, laws, sanctions, taxes, um, restrictions, uh, all of those things, but uh, the church ultimately cannot be thwarted because it's God's purposes that he's working in and through her. So he's not at any point in his throne room going, oh, that government made a sanction. Ooh, this is not good for my church. He is bending, manipulating, mm-hmm. uh, making mm-hmm. all things work together for the good of those who love him. Ordaining things. He, ordaining things that's a mind-blowing idea that he would ordain things for the good of those who love him for those who are called according to his purpose so uh it's god himself and god himself cannot be afforded i hope people's affections are just kind of being stirred because i don't know i feel like in um north american christianity it's just like not that cool <laughs> to talk about the church because everything is just like so individualistic you know like it's all 
about me. I feel like so much of what we do is centered around like curating our individual selves versus like talking about ourselves like in a, in a more collective sense, like the community of the church, you know? And it just, as I'm listening to you talk, my heart is just being like stirred with affection for the church. Cause I think she gets a lot of rap. Like she gets a lot of, she gets a lot of beef. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's always been the way, but I feel that like in my generation, like a lot of people have felt hurt by the church or they felt misunderstood or they don't feel like they have a place in the church. And so that's like part of my motivation. And Um, even having conversations about her, the church, because I just want our understanding of the church to like be more accurate and in line with like the truth about who she is and what God's intent for her is. One question that I really wanted to ask is how does the gospel unite us as churches all over the world? Like regardless of some of our maybe doctrinal distinctions and things like that? Like how does the gospel actually connect us and unite us? The gospel connects us and unites us to the one God. He has one gospel um, for all of us. And this is the same gospel that will save a believer in Eritrea uh, and the same gospel that will save a believer in Annapolis. In Romans 1, Paul says that The gospel was promised beforehand by God. It's God's gospel, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And if you look at all of Paul's letters to different churches, he says that they are in a certain city and are in Christ. So you could be in Rome, but you ultimately you are in Christ Jesus. And look at Ephesians too. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, all of Ephesians also. read Ephesians and then think of it in the plural community sense. If you're struggling with this individualism, Mm. which many of us Westerners do just remember all of these things are plural and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Like that's, that's y'all like Mm. verbally, like the word is y'all in Texas. You had to bring it back to Texas. You know who you're talking to. In Texan. In Texan. <laughs> y'all were dead in the trespasses and sins in which y'all once walked, following the course of this our world. There's blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed y'all. Mm-hmm. It's, it's to us. This is to us. I think in our individualistic minds, we're like, this is for mm. me. The Bible's for me. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. The Bible is for you, but it's for y'all. It's for all of us. This is one gospel that unites us to God. There is one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. He's the only one who's done that work. We don't have to preach a different gospel to your neighbor. The same gospel that saved you is the same gospel that saves them as well. That's so good. I haven't even noticed that. Like I talk about Ephesians 2.10 so much. I, I just lump myself into the category of looking at things through the lens of me. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee you, I've read Ephesians 2.10 a million times, have it memorized, and I've always thought about it in the context of me, but I'm looking at it right now as you're talking, and it says, for we are his mm-hmm. workmanship. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that ain't talking about you personally right there. I mean, it is, but also sure. in a collective sense, you know? Yeah, in the collective sense. And then think, too, also about 2 Corinthians 5.17 about being a new creation in Christ. I think we all want to think of ourselves as little butterflies. Like, I'm a butterfly, I'm new, me. Yes, yes, you are. Yes. <laughs> if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is come. But you are a new creation is, is us, the church, new creation. Huh. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is new creation. There it is. And it's the body, this expression of God's glory among the nations, calling sinners um, enemies and making them his friends. This is his uh, express method of evangelism um, to the lost and dying world. Man, I've been thinking about how can I get my eyes off me? And here we go. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) What other pictures do we see of the church in scripture? I mean, you just mentioned the body. We're talking Mm -hmm. about Ephesians. We see all these different pictures in Ephesians. Like, 
what are some of the biblical images of the church that we see in scripture that you found helpful and what can we learn from those? Yeah. Um, you look at Ephesians, you can uh, dig into Hebrews also. That one is full of some more, some more of these pictures. I love the temple imagery. There's temple imagery in Ephesians also, um, but temple imagery in Hebrews, mm-hmm. if you're familiar with the, the temple worship uh, from the Old Testament. Um, if you're not, then do a quick do a quick study on that and get familiar with what some of these vocabulary words mean and mm-hmm. what these practices were yeah. and are. And then you'll see in Hebrews like, whoa, the, the church is the fulfillment of all of these things. Just considering the three sacred feasts where the followers of, of Yahweh God would, would come to Jerusalem and gather corporately multiple times a year and then in Hebrews, it says, you, the church, are the gathering. You don't have to go to a geographic place on this mountain or that mountain. You have become, you are Mount Zion. You are this church. The church is the gathering place, the dwelling place of God. Just seeing the fulfillment of the church as the corporate identity um, has, is, it'll make you think twice about skipping Sunday. Let's just say. Can you just write your next study on Hebrews? Because this book intimidates me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of good studies on Hebrews, I'm sure. Okay, anything else? Is there anything you want to add to the biblical images or are we good there? What else do we have in here? There's a body, members of a body, a household. Um, mm-hmm. There's a building being built into the holy temple, a dwelling place of God. There's, oh, there's so many when you're looking at these pictures, like how is it helpful for you, Gloria? Well, it's just, it means spirit uh, empowered imagination. Yeah. I feel like if, if I am soaking my mind in scripture, the spirit can just stoke that scripture, the scripture uh, based imagination. So I don't come up with any other weird ideas that aren't, that aren't in the Bible um, in terms of who I am and what it means to be among God's people and and what the church is and who the church is, but just seeing what's already there. And then just let, let the word of God blow your mind to think of this and and put you in there. So the world will give you all kinds of ideas about who you are and what you're for and Mm -hmm. and what this whole life is about, but having a spirit driven imagination Mm -hmm. soaked in scripture, just, it really encourages me when I'm, you know, you wake up in the morning, you, you rub the, the sand out of your eyes and you try to remember what day is it? Who am I? What's going on here? <laughs> the disorientation of waking up um, and orienting yourself around God's word and what, what God says about you. You know, just for example, what's my day about today? Well, one of those things is not letting any corrupting talk come out of my mouth, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion. So it's going to give grace to those who hear. Why is that so important? Well, I'm a priest in God's priestly household okay you're a priest in this priestly nation people called Bart, set by by grace through faith and where's he put you well he's put me in this city i am a priest in, in this city wow god mm-hmm. you know who would you have me interact with among all of these people what would i say to them as i uh spread words of of grace and uh building up those who hear with your words that's that's a lot more orienting than scrolling through you know what does the news say about what today is about um, which is so tempting um, to do, especially when your alarm clock's on your phone. Um, <laughs> or let's just be real, like Instagram, you know? I mean, that's like, that's yeah. the reality, I think, of like my my listener's demographic, if they're anything like me. Yeah. I don't even care about the news, Gloria. How sad is that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a podcast for another day. <laughs> As I'm sitting here listening to or dialoguing with you about like these biblical pictures of the church um, and even just like how the thread of the church has woven its way throughout all of scripture, I'm thinking how cool would it be that as I read through the text to be looking for this thread, if you will, kind of like in a biblical theology type study because I think it'd just be such a helpful practice for me personally to get my eyes off of myself and to help nestle myself in the context of God's people and the way in which God is working out salvation for his people, you know? Yeah. A great book recommendation for anyone who loves to read and sit and think about what they've read. You could take all the time you want to read 
G.K. Beale's The Temple and the Church's Mission. I'm still working on it. I was supposed to have it done the last time I saw you, but yes. Take all the time you need uh, to work through this one. Chew on it. It is such a massive, um, heavy book, which I say heavy in a great way. Yes, yes. In the in the best possible Both way. Literally and metaphorically. Right? You don't have to read a whole <laughs> chapter to feel like you've got something. You can read no, a paragraph and say, I'm going to think about this all month. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. That's good. That's a helpful tidbit. From your perspective, as a cross-cultural worker who lives overseas, how is the church growing and how is it continuing to expand all over the world? I think that's something particularly for my listeners who are like in the South, like me, it's just like difficult to see that, you know? I I could tell you a bunch of stories from my, my week last week, but I'm one person in one, you know, city. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) God is doing immeasurably more than what we could ask for or imagine. And he's always doing that. And he will keep doing that uh, because Jesus has other sheep. Um, he, told, he told his disciples, he told the people in John 10, he's describing himself as the good shepherd. And he's talking about sheep and he's talking about who he is. He talks about hired hands and what they, what they are. But he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We know what he's referring to. He's referring to the cross. He says, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches and scatters them. So he's talking about anybody else who is not their savior. (laughs) You know, these uh, religious leaders of the day Mm -hmm. whom Jesus criticized for being false teachers and um, ultimately not in line with God's mission. The Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, all of these other religious leaders. And Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Uh So there will be Uh one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I receive from my Father. So here we have Jesus describing um, his mission. He has one flock. He is the one shepherd and his sheep are not just Jews. He has other sheep, and they are going to hear his voice. So as you look across the street at your neighbor's house or your, I don't know, whatever it is you're doing about your day, you just use in your imagination, your scripture-soaked, spirit-led imagination. Uh-huh. God, you have, uh, Jesus has other sheep. They are out there. Lead me to them. Mm-hmm. Help me mm-hmm. find my lost brothers and sisters who don't know that they're my brother and sister yet, but you will call them and they will hear your voice. They will listen. Uh, so the great assurance that we have in evangelism and mission is Jesus' assurance himself. They're his. He'll call them. They'll listen. And we don't get to decide who that will be. Uh, oh, that person over there, you know, they believe this. They're less likely to come to faith. Well, they're all dead in their sin. Who's more likely or not? There's really not a question. Right. Who's more likely or not when it's what we're asking God to do is raise people from the dead. So in that sense, <laughs> there's really not a likely or less likely. So from my perspective as a cross-cultural worker, every day really is an adventure to see um, there are people mm-hmm. who, sheep who are, not in this fold yet, and he's after them. Mm. And God uses all of these incredible means to woo people to himself. I've heard some of the funniest uh, testimonies of just like, wow, not funny, haha. Some of them are funny, haha. But funny is that, wow, God, you would do that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. Just these, just wow, the, the things that God does in creating all of these divine appointments in which people come across the gospel, scripture, believers, the church, every appointment would be a divine appointment since uh-huh. he's ordered all things. The church is growing, expanding all over the world. Uh, it's just, it's a thrill to think um, that we get to be a part of that. We get uh-huh. to pray that in missions, the fruit of prayer being picked up. We get to pray um, and God will not waste a single prayer on that. So just thinking even just of our role uh, in praying uh, for, for people, for lost people to, to come on in for the, the prodigal son, the, the elder brother, come home, come back, 
come back to the father's heart. Yeah. So it's, it's exciting to wake up. It's exciting to go to bed and think I have my biggest problem is follow up. How do I follow up with all these people? I have, I have limited capacity. I need more workers earnestly pray, earnestly pray that the Lord would send more workers into the harvest. And that is a genuine earnest prayer in need. I don't think you would go anywhere in the world and talk to any cross-cultural worker and they'd say, you know, we got it covered. (laughs) We're good. (laughs) Everybody would say, please come help. There's uh, such a tremendous need for that. So when you're discouraged and you think, ah, the church is not expanding, growing the church is, is at risk, look back at your Bible and see what Jesus promises about what he's doing. You've been so influential in me understanding my role as like an ambassador for Christ. And that's been such a joyous thing for me to understand Gloria as someone who originally wanted to go overseas. And then I met my husband and Brooks and I are doing life together in the context of the military. Um, And so I always knew I would be like in a dark place speaking a little bit of a different language, but I just Mm -hmm. never envisioned that happening in the context of the U.S. Um, And so in many ways, when we first got married, I was quite depressed because I just didn't feel like I could do what God was asking me to do, like in the context of like, you know, Fort Hood, Texas, where you're in kind of like the center of the Bible Belt type of thing. And looking back, I'm just, it's just so kind of the Lord to get to realize, you know, through you pointing me back to scripture and uh, where Paul's talking about how we're ambassadors for Christ, that like he has like literally sent us on mission to exactly wherever it is that he has us today. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if that's like, we talked about like, you know, sitting in a rocking chair, which is mm-hmm. going to be me here in a few weeks, yes. um, nursing an infant and praying for people all over the world. Like that actually is like effective and it actually is important. And um, God really does use those prayers. So how has living overseas impacted the way that you personally think about and pray for and interact with the church at large, like the global church? Mm-hmm. I think it's given me an appreciation for the various obstacles we all face in different contexts. One of the benefits of living cross-culturally, my kids just do this instinctively, I have to learn it and keep relearning it, um, is to defer judgment until I understand what's going on Hmm. culturally. (laughs) Okay, like tell me about that because I'm like, I don't think I do that very well. (laughs) Yes. They, they, are, they are not quick to make assumptions hmm. and, and to, to cast a judgment or to make a judgment. They, my, my kids take more time than me um, in assessing and thinking and asking questions and wondering. Wow. And then in their creative explanations of why something happened or why so-and-so interacted this way or why that person, you know, did this or that thing, like they have way more creative ideas than I do. I'm like, cause they're wrong and my way is right. And they just don't know the right way yet. And this is the right way that we do things like the, oh, just, yeah. I mean, continually coming up with, wow, that's, I had an assumption. I didn't realize I had an assumption about yeah. what we say in this situation or how we behave when we're in this context we have so many assumptions as adults. And I think yes, <laughs> living cross-culturally helps beat those out of you <laughs> um, so that you learn to, to defer and delay judgment before you understand the context a lot better. Um, so that's helped me a lot when I hear news about what, um, so what some, a church is going through in a certain city or what believers are now um, facing in another, in a village somewhere, or if you read a resource like Operation World and right. you read about that and you think, wow, this is not the whole picture. This is, this is a tiny snapshot. And, you know, they publish this paragraph about this thing, but there's so many things going on. God, you know, all their needs, you know, how to strengthen and edify this church. But it just kind of gives you just a glimpse into what's going on. Um, and even I, you know, we send monthly prayer letters and would love people to pray. But even as I sit down and I write these, my husband, and I sit down and I write these, like, what do you say? How do you sum up a month? How do you sum up your future ideas? Like, how do you sum that up? And how much can people read on their email these days? <laughs> um, and just, just to know that I even filter, you know, what's going on and what you can pray for and, you know, the, the sure. exciting things. Like I have a thousand exciting things to say. I can only say two <laughs> or I have, you know, a thousand sad things to say. I, you know, only have space for two. Right. There's, 
um, all of those different things that we face in terms of how trying to explain what God's going, what God's doing helps me think about and pray for the global church in, in terms of saying, God, there's so much I don't know. There is so much I don't know. Like I, I'll read about, you know, a church situation in the U.S. or some kind of new, new conflict that people are upset about. It's like, God, I, this, is, this is the summary. This is the summary that somebody summarized, but Lord, you know, you know the total context, you know these people's hearts, you know what's going on, you can do it. <laughs> uh, would your spirit move and work mm. and strengthen and edify your body? Um, you promised you would do it. Keep doing it. Keep us all. <laughs> Just keep us <laughs> being taken out of my former context and place in a new one has given me appreciation for not being omniscient. That's really just encouraging for me to think through as I'm thinking about other countries and um, praying for other countries. But like, why do you think it's important that we have an understanding of the church in a global sense? And why is that important that we like seek to develop and grow in our just awareness of what God is doing like all over the world? Hmm. Uh, a couple things come to mind. Just, I mean, for encouragement and persevering in your faith, remembering that you're part of something far bigger than you, the individual, far bigger than your local church as much as you love it um, or struggle with it <laughs> to remember that you are, you're part of something so big and we're getting ready for eternity. Uh, this life is so short, so short, shockingly short, and there's eternity and, um, the global church gathered together for eternity is, um, is such a great reality that we have to look forward to. And, and practically like you'll be sitting there around the marriage supper and you're like, nice to see you. <laughs> I had no idea your people group existed. Like that's that. I mean, what a delightful surprise! But how fun would it be now to look forward to seeing these people? I loved my my seven year old comment the other day. We have um, a new book called Windows on the World. It's it's got really great color photos and some neat prayer points for people. And we Ooh, prayed cool. for a people group and couldn't even pronounce the names in there. It was just fun to wrestle through that. And and it was just the contact was so different than our own. And um, we, you know, amen, we prayed. And then Judson's like, someday when I meet someone from there, I'll say, I prayed for you. <laughs> like, yes. So cute. <laughs> yes. Someday in heaven, you meet someone from there and I prayed for you. Yeah. But what a joy just to, to enter into the Lord's presence, looking forward to being united with a greater global family of Christ. Um, is just, it's enough to, to get, you know, go get you an Operation World, start praying. <laughs> There's so many things to be encouraged about. And yeah. eternity is one of those major things to be encouraged about and have that perspective um, as you go about your day and night because that's what we're all headed for. You know, I think about so many of the things that I personally face. Like, um, I just try so hard to forget about myself and like try it's just such a hard thing for me Gloria I'm just such a self-centered person and so aren't we all I I I like to think that I'm not alone in this but then at the same time it depresses me to think about all of us being so narcissistic and in ways and 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 I just am listening to you talk and I'm like oh wow the remedy for for my narcissism you know is just Mm. to remember like Oh, it's not so much about looking even more at myself, navel gazing even more to figure out how I can stop fixating on my navel. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like lift my eyes up. Yes. Yes. I have to say all these things to myself too. Mm, That's encouraging. (laughs) That's very encouraging. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, but but I just think it's such a great investment of time to grow in our understanding in this capacity versus I, I think I, I waste a lot of time trying to figure out how to um, how to fix those things in myself. Um, and it's just like being overcome. I, I guess it's like the expulsive power of a new affection type of thing. Yes, where, yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah, you're yeah. just loving and, and being enveloped by and enraptured by something else. And yeah, um, I love, I love that. Thanks for just stirring 
our affections for for Christ today and for his church, um, his bride. Do you have any resources that you would recommend for somebody who wants to grow in their understanding and support for the church? Yeah, there's there's a lot of great resources out there. Um, I really like this new book we just got called Windows on the World. It's um, that color illustrated guide to for praying. Um, that's a really great one. I'm excited about that. It's new. Ooh, new and fun. Mark Dever's book, The Church, a great primer, succinct, clear, to the point. Um, it'll help you understand the church. Um, and for people who want to read for a long time and think about it a lot, of course, that when I referenced earlier, G.K. Beale's Temple and Church's Mission, that would be a great one. There's a new book. Uh, coming out called Evangelism as Exiles. Um, it's specifically about evangelism, but it's, of course, undergirded scripturally about who the church is, what it is, and what Jesus is doing in and through the church. That's also a, a great book to check out. Ooh, very cool. Did you partake in that, the writing of that? No, no. Um, oh, another new one uh, that I did partake in some writing was Joyfully Spreading the Word. That's what I was thinking of. Yes. Yes. So I, I co-edited that one and contributed okay. a chapter. Yes. It's about evangelism in multiple different contexts. But of course, the thread throughout the entire book is the one gospel and how we share that one gospel in all of our various um, life seasons and stages and contexts. I feel like that's so like your wheelhouse, my friend. It's fun. That is really fun. Well, since you've already been on the Journey Women podcast, I usually ask the same questions to every guest, but I have some new questions for you because you've already answered the others. So if people want to know the questions, the answers to the questions that I typically ask, go back to episode 29. And today, here's the question. What is one piece of advice that you would give 25-year-old Gloria on her journey to glorify God? I feel like 25 is like kind of my median. It's, we're, we're 22 to 34. So somewhere in there, Gloria, yeah. what advice would you give? Okay. Um, 25, I had been married for a few years. We were trying to get pregnant with our first child, which did not happen for a few more years. I was in seminary working multiple jobs. Okay. So this actually was told to me when I was about 25 and I have hung on to this. I'm 39 now. I have hung on to this and I remember this many times a week. Something my professor, Dr. Jim Allman said to us, he said, God, God's faithfulness in the past is a model and a promise for his faithfulness in the future. But he is too creative to do the same thing the same way twice. Wow. So his faithfulness in the past is a model and a promise for his faithfulness in the future. So no matter what comes, it is God who does not change. Mm. And I have found that to be true. (laughs) There's no more steadying truth than looking at the unchanging character of God. You could evaluate your circumstances, Google them until your brains fall out. But (laughs) if you look at God's character, which does not change, it's worth a lifetime of meditation. It's worth all your hope. (laughs) Bank all of it on God's unchanging character and his faithfulness. So that I would tell 25-year-old Gloria who was stressed out about you know, trying to get pregnant, stressed out about paying for seminary bills, anxious and worried. Where are we going to go? Where is God going to send us? How are we going to get there? Just all the unknowns of your future as you're stepping out into, you know, in our our context, this is, you know, a vocational ministry. Yes. Um, All of that, just like, Gloria, chill. (laughs) Yes. God does not change. (laughs) That's so good for me. Like, I feel like I'm in the prime season of, of that right now with like welcoming our third child into the world and we're Mm. getting ready to move and everything. So I really, I appreciate that. I've been looking for like a piece of nursery art. So maybe I'll just have to create one with like that. (gasps) Ooh, (laughs) that'd be really cool. Right. If I made it myself, it'd be quite ugly, but (laughs) somebody can make that. Somebody out there has skills to do that. (laughs) Oh, well, what is something that you're looking forward to on your journey right now? 
as you remember the faithfulness of God to you in times past, of course. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is going to sound so weird. I really would like to have gray hair. Um, <laughs> you want the I crown of wisdom? <laughs> I, I do. I feel like that would just give me some street cred. Um, you know, like I've, I've got crow's feet, you know, the, the fun, you know, cute little eye wrinkles and, <laughs> and that's, you know, but, but contextually just interacting with friends and neighbors, just if, if I could, if I could look a little wiser. <laughs> Gloria, you're going to set yourself over the line into like so being excited. too intimidating. <laughs> no, I don't think I'm that scary. Um, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> but it would just, just, I mean, in terms of door opening, um, it, it, it just, yeah, like just be an older a woman and look, look the part, you know, would just be great because I'm still mistaken for an eighth grader. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, it just, I mean, culturally that oh, yeah. just people just yeah. love older ladies and love to sit and hear them talk and ask them questions. Mm, that's so interesting. It would just, it would open so many doors, so many more doors for me if I had a little bit of, you know, oh, how funny. <laughs> Here, you know, you'd have like all the street kid because you you don't have any Botox, and you're just like, looking like an eighth grader, you know. But like over there, you're like, man, I could really use some some help here. You know, you can dye your hair gray, Gloria. It has been a thing in the last couple of years here in the U.S. What? Oh, I'm not making amazing. this up. Grayish purple. Wow, I've been gone a long time. Maybe I'll come do that this summer. Maybe I'll come visit U.S. I'll get a you know what? Let's just add that to the docket. Chips and salsa, and we will dye your salon. hair purple. Go to the salon, Gloria. It's time. <laughs> we uh, don't need a salon. We got this taken care of. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, you're sink. Oh, Hunter's sink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, that, that would be something that I would be looking forward to in my journey. <laughs> yes. Uh, if that actually got to happen. but um, Oh, yeah. But just the credibility that comes with saying, God is faithful. He, yeah. Yes. He has carried me <laughs> all these years. You can trust him. Yes. Um, I just, I love that. I love that about Proverbs and uh, all of the, uh, just that testimony of God's faithfulness after decades of walking with him. That ability to say, he's so faithful. He's so worth it. Um, believe me. Yes. Amen and amen. Well, I see that in you already at a young and chipper eighth grade S. <laughs> 39. (laughs) Truly though, I really mean that. And, um, you know, I typically ask like, who's had the greatest impact on your journey with Jesus. And you answered that question in a former episode. And I also said this in that episode, but you've truly just been one of my kind of like modern day heroes. Like if, if I were, Oh, I, there's so many things I could say right now that I'm, I'm going to bite my tongue and not say, but um, even just like I've been learning about church history and looking at the women in the context of like all of redemptive history, like from scripture and then in the early church and um, the reformers and the Puritans and all these different um, women and, you know, thinking even more present day into, you know, your your Elizabeth Elliot time frame, And um, if I were to like bookmark who it is that's had a great impact on my own personal journey with Jesus, like in the context of like who is alive right now in, in the modern day and your name would for sure be at the top of the list. So I'm just so grateful for uh, your impact on my own journey. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for gifting us an hour of your time and your wisdom today. It's just been a joy to have you on the show again. Thank you. I don't know if you can hear it, but my baby is actually strapped to my front right now. I'm just finishing my maternity leave, and I just want to thank you guys for all of your love and support during this time as we transition to a family of five. Genuinely, thank you from the bottom of my heart. It is so good to be back with you guys. I really hope this conversation with Gloria leaves you fired up for what's to come in this series on the church. And if you want any of the noteworthy quotes, scripture references, discussion questions, etc., you can actually find all that good stuff over in the show notes at journeywomenpodcast.com. 
Hey, if you are enjoying these conversations, we just want to say thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends, for tuning in, subscribing, etc. Um, you can hop over to Instagram or Facebook and connect with us on the topic of the church throughout the week at Journey Women Podcast. Just so you know, this episode was edited by Chris Mann and the Pod Shaper team. Hey, it's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. I cannot wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.